You know the vibes. Welcome back to another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast brought to you by NBA 2K24. Now, today is a Friday. Usually we have a very good friend, Mr. Scott Perry, joining us on Mondays, but this is the Christmas preview episode. We had to bring the family all together today for this one. So Mr. Scott Perry is back with us, as well as three-time NBA champion BJ Armstrong. How are you guys both doing? Doing fantastic, bro. Glad to be here right before the holidays. In the holiday spirit, huh? Yeah, in the holiday spirit, for sure. Well, let's dive straight into it, and let's see if your New York Knicks are going to be in the holiday spirit as they are kicking (laughs) off the NBA Christmas Day schedule against the Milwaukee Bucks. That's going to be a tough matchup at Madison Square Garden. You know the fans are going to be up for it. Um, BJ and I discussed very briefly yesterday, Mitchell Robinson now being out for the rest of the season. That's obviously a huge huge impact especially against a team like Milwaukee with a player like Giannis who loves to attack at the hoop and the presence that Mitchell Robinson had at the basket and more importantly I think his presence on the rebounding side of things how do you look at the matchup tomorrow from the Knicks perspective um for Christmas Day sorry Mo BJ you know that was a huge blow losing Mitchell Robinson uh he is the anchor of that defense he cleans up so much so much, so many of the mistakes that may occur out on the perimeter, he can clean those up. And then on the offensive end, as you mentioned, he gets them so many second possessions. He's the best offensive rebounder in the NBA today. Milwaukee has the one thing that's gonna that can hurt the Knicks in this game, and that's the size. You mentioned Giannis, obviously uh, attacking the rim, and he's fantastic at that. But Brooke Lopez, and he he's he was always a handful for Mitchell. Now, with no Mitchell in there, he can really do some damage on the interior of both sides. We know he can step away from the basket now and shoot threes, but also he, he's going to be able to uh, help Milwaukee get extra possessions on that offensive glass as well. So I think it's going to be a tough matchup. I know the Garden will be rocking, though. You know, those Christmas Day games in New York, they're so much fun to be a part of. Uh, the entire city gets behind it. The players really get up to play that game. So uh, you're going to get a great effort from the Knicks, but uh, the size uh, component in that game, uh, I think, tilts heavily towards the Bucks. BJ, you know, these Christmas Day matchups, do the players have a little something extra because they know it's on national TV, they know everyone's watching, and also this one has a little bit maybe more of an edge. It was the quarterfinal of the in-season tournament, right, where the, uh, the Bucks beat the Knicks in their last matchup. Do you think that the Knicks have got this one circled and they really want to go make a huge impression or do they just want to get the game out of the way and go home and carve that turkey? Well, a lot of times what I found personally was I love to play on the road when the, the holidays because of the, you know, for the most part, you're going to be with your family. If you have young kids and you try to make this as normal as possible. You know, those games are normally starting on the East Coast around noon or so. And it just makes it difficult, kind of, it's very disruptive in a way for a family setting. So I always found it better for me, or at least to have as normal as possible. I get it, I'm entertaining people at home as they're doing their holiday, you know, celebration or what have you. I just found it to be very disruptive, especially when I played at home. Do I think players get up? I think you're just trying to get through it. That's what I, I that's how I always kind of found it. 
you wanted to remain and be professional. However, you can't eat properly because you have a game to play, right? I can't just go and and get my second helping of turkey mode, knowing that I got a game. I can't get, I, I got to get my nap. I got to get my things. You, you, your kids, your family, your significant other. Most of the time, my parents would, I, if I was at home, they would come up because they knew they weren't going to see me, so forth and so on. So I always found it to be kind of one of those things that was, you just made the best of it during that time. And, you you know, if you were at home more, most of the time you would celebrate when you got back after the game. So, um, but, you know, it's it's fun. I mean, listen, now I can't wait. You know, I, 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 I kind of manage my day or my wife is kind enough to let me manage the day and knowing what, what, hey, what time is this game going? You know, we try to kind of go around it. She gives me a little leeway. The family will. So, um, but it's fun. I, I think for the most part, you enjoy it. However, I think truth be told, most people probably would want to be at home if they're on the road. And then they probably want to spend at least that one day out of a year where it's just kind of, the you know, for children and young people and the significance of what the holidays mean to you during this time. That second helping the turkey for BJ didn't help him guard Isaiah Thomas. Anymore. No, it so didn't help at all. Exactly. You know? <laughs> hey, 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 hey. You know, the, the stuffing wasn't good. You know, the stuff, you know, you know she, she would be like, how's the stuffing, honey? And you'd be like, no, I, I can't have any stuffing right now. You know, so, absolutely. Scott, we know the NBA is a year-round business. Are, are you looking forward to Christmas a little bit more this year knowing that you don't have to be you know, working and scouting and all of that stuff like you have been for the last 23 years? It's going to be different for me, Mo. I don't really know what to expect yet because I've been in such a rhythm of working on that day. Um, So to be able to kind of sit back and enjoy all the basketball that day and not have the, the nerves, if you will, of, you know, watching your team play and, and, and your, the happiness for the remainder of your day being dependent upon a win or a loss. So that would, so this, this, so this, this, this would be a little bit of a new experience for me. Um, but, uh, you know, just the same, uh, you know, I, I still call myself working cause I gotta be watching these games and, you know, being prepared to be on here with you and BJ on the hoop genius and being prepared for my job with ESPN too. So different yeah. kind of work this time, different kind of work. Well, we spoke about Milwaukee earlier this week and how we think that they can get better as the season progresses, as they get more comfortable with their unit. But I just want to circle back to the Knicks a little bit because although they have lost Mitchell Robinson, I think when it comes to big men coming off the bench and, you know, those backup bigs, I think Isaiah Hartenstein is one of the best players in the league at filling that role. Do you think that he can provide them with what they need to maintain what they've been building throughout this season? Or do you think they're going to look to add another extra body? Because they applied for the disabled player exception. Do you think there's anyone on their radar that they're going to be looking to bring in as well to bolster that front court? I'm sure they're going to look around uh, to see what may be available. Um, Because Jericho Sims, who they had been starting here the last, you know, uh, number of games once Mitchell got hurt, he's, hurt his ankle, I believe, and he's going to be out for an extended period of time as well. Uh, I think that Coach Thibodeau and the team would like to continue having Isaiah Hartstein coming off the bench. That's where he's most effective with that second unit, playing against second unit guys. Now to put him in the starting lineup uh, where there's a, you know, a, a different 
uh, group he's playing with for the most part um, and trying to find that rhythm. Uh, and he's going to be playing more against the, the, the starting caliber centers, more minutes. Um, that will be something different for him. Isaiah's a, a young kid that plays uh, really hard. So he's, he obviously is going to give you the energy that you want. But uh, it's, it's going to be, it's different. And BJ can tell you a lot about this. It is different going from being a, a high-level role player off the bench to becoming a full-time starter. So uh, I'm sure there's going to be, you know, I, I'm sure there's internal concerns about that. But, um, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see, see what happens here. But, uh, you know, you got to favor Milwaukee, like I said, heavily uh, in that matchup on the interior to, uh, to start that game. Well, I saw recently the Knicks picked up Todd Gibson here recently. And in the last game versus Brooklyn, Todd was the backup center and Isaiah Hardenstein was the starting center. I think what, what you're going to start seeing is I think the Knicks will probably go small and really incorporate and adapt small ball as part of their game plan moving forward, meaning not playing without a center. Because Mitchell Robinson really provided them shot blocking interior defense that I don't think there's anyone on the roster that can replace uh, currently on their roster. So with that, I I think they will probably just go small. You know, DiVincenzo, uh, Hart, Brunson, of course, Julius Randle, RJ. I think they will probably rely heavily on those guys to play predominantly um, most of those minutes and really kind of do a plug and play system. I mean, quickly in these guys, they're fantastic at playing. But I think as teams begin to become familiar with their personnel, I think you're going to see probably the the hole that's missing, which is you if you go big versus the Knicks that's going to cause them some problems. And I'm not sure how they will counter that, right? Will Isaiah be a 30-plus minute guy? Will Todd Gibson fill in? I'm sure they'll probably look to fill that in with a, with a bigger athlete. However, I think right now, missing Mitchell Robinson long-term is going to pose some problems for them, especially when they play against the bigger, more athletic teams in this league. Man, yeah, no a, a shout out to Todd no Gibson as well. That. 38 years old, coming back yeah, into no, the NBA, that's yeah. no easy feat. Yeah, yeah, Todd is going to give you the smarts, and he obviously is extremely familiar uh, with Tibbs. Uh, and Tibbs, had that, that's a security blanket for Tibbs. <laughs> but Todd is 38, and he's undersized for the center position as well. Uh, so, you know, but maybe they look to start him to keep, like I mentioned before, to even start him at some point and keep Isaiah coming off the bench and just extend his minutes coming off the bench. So we'll, we'll, we'll want to see that because I know, uh, and it's no secret, you know, ever since uh, really Tibbs has been coaching in the league, rim protection is huge and very important to him. And uh, that, that guy he had in the middle, Mitchell Robinson, for the last few years, uh, did it as well as any big man in the league. So you're both looking at this as a road win for the Milwaukee Bucks then? Oh, I think you've got to favor the Bucks coming into this. Uh, you know, again, the Knicks will have a show a lot of emotional energy coming into this, but I think the Bucks are what eight and two in the last ten games, won five straight. Um, they're starting to play better. Um, they're still not where they need to be defensively, 
but I think they're trending in the right direction. And, and the Knicks, you know, are coming off a, a solid West Coast trip, uh, trip without Mitchell and uh, mm-hmm. won some 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 big games out there. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be a runaway by any means. I, I expect it to be a, a very close game uh, uh, come Christmas Day. Now, the next game is a treat for European fans because usually they have to wait till 3 a.m. to watch the Denver Nuggets playing basketball, but instead they're tipping off at 7.30 UK time and they're hosting the Golden State Warriors. Now, the Warriors will be without Draymond Green, who's going to be out for a few more weeks with his, uh, they're calling it a recovery uh, from from hitting people in the face. I don't know if that's a, that's much of a recovery, but, <laughs> but the Warriors a picked up a great a win. reflection mode. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some self-reflection, some meditation, exactly. find some inner peace. Um, the Warriors picked up a great win against the Celtics. Um do you think that they have a chance of picking up a win here on Christmas Day against the Denver Nuggets? And that's in Denver, correct? Yep, that's right. In the ball arena. Yeah, that's a tough, you know, it's it's gonna be tough again because of the size factor. You know, who who do they have that's gonna match up with Nikola Jokic? But look, most teams are asking pretty much every team in the league asks that, you know, mm-hmm. who's gonna match up with Nikola Jokic. But uh I think it starts there. I will give Golden State this. Uh, I think they're winners of three straight here. The urgency that they're playing with, Clay Thompson is starting to, you know, round, you know, start to starting to play again like we know Clay Thompson can play. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, you know, with him coming off the bench now has increased his urgency and his productivity. Um, so you never count a champion ship group out of a game like that. But uh, I think that Denver now, now that Murray's back in the lineup as well, and, and, and they're starting to gain some rhythm, the, the, the group that won the title last year, they're at home at Christmas. Uh, I've got to favor Denver in that game. I think it'd be a nice welcome to the league moment for, um, was it Trace Jackson Davis, the uh, 57th yes. pick yeah, that the Warriors from, picked yeah, up. Indiana. He, yes. he made a great uh, impact against the Boston Celtics. Um, but Nikola Jokic, that's a whole nother beast. BJ, what's the game plan coming into uh, the the Denver Nuggets arena? The defending champions obviously have a dominant big. You've got a much smaller lineup. What's the Warriors game plan here? Well, you know, guys, I got to tell a quick story here. Yesterday, Scott, you know, the kids, all of the kids are home from college and our youngest and Olivia my daughter, the middle, and my youngest were watching the Golden State Celtics game. And my son is all, my youngest is always doing something. He's doing something. He's playing video games, whatever. But for whatever reason, he and Olivia were watching that game and it goes into overtime. So, but they were both just watching the game and they were like cheering for Golden State, both of them. So the next day, our youngest, Julian, he goes, hey, dad, why does that one player do this? (laughs) Night, (laughs) night celebration. (laughs) If I say something bad right now, anything about the Warriors, I will be in, I will be in trouble. So the Warriors... (laughs) They are our favorite team now. I mean, now <laughs> the fact that 
Now, Uncle Mo's going to have to come pay a visit, yes, bro. The eight, an eight-year-old kid now started to ask me and his mother, what does this mean? So for the <laughs> last two or three days, he just walks around the house doing this. Okay, when he wins <laughs> and plays any video game, he starts doing this now. Goodness. <laughs> so I got to go with the Warriors. I, I got to go with the Warriors now. You know, I'm not going to say this loud. I think... The Nuggets are going to win. However, the Warriors now can do no wrong in my house. So I am a Warriors fan. <laughs> Steph Curry has another fan. I just now I got to buy T-shirts and everything again. So you know, between my kids, my wife, the Warriors have won the championship this year. It doesn't matter what happens from here on out. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that, that performance by Steph Curry was unbelievable, especially it was, it was that unreal. that one shot mm-hmm. he had in in the closing moments where it was um you know he missed the layup, then relocates back to the three point line and Chris Paul finds him, and the quickness of that release off balance as well, unbelievable. And his age, you know, we always talk about LeBron and his age, but now we've got guys like Steph Curry and Kevin Durant who also are like 35, 36 still playing at mm-hmm. a superstar level, which is. You know, LeBron gets all the attention for it. But if it wasn't for LeBron, you got Steph Curry playing like this at 35. I don't know how many point guards we've seen still playing at this level at 35 years old, which is which is simply superhuman. Um, when you can shoot the ball from the parking lot like he can. Oh, oh, well, you know something about that. Scott's <laughs> trying to get a 10-day. When you can shoot, he's going to be able to play till he's 40. <laughs> Scott's trying to get a 10 day. He's trying to say, yeah, I can exactly. still shoot the rock. Put me in, coach. Put me in. <laughs> but it should be a routine win for the Denver Nuggets there over in Denver. Um, we'll have to see how that goes. But then the big matchup of the day, the historic rivalry, oh. the greatest franchise in the history of the NBA and the wannabe greatest franchise in the NBA, <laughs> the Celtics I, I, I and the Lakers going head to head. We should let you take this ball. This is yes, your time. Mo, 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 exactly. Mo, Mo. <laughs> Mo, I want to let Mo take this. Yeah. Okay, absolutely. The Celtics have always done a great job against the Lakers in recent years. But I think the Lakers are winning this matchup. I think Christmas Day, LeBron don't know how many more Christmases he's going to play. He's going to have this one circled. The Celtics on a five-game West Coast road trip now. They had that tough loss against Golden State in overtime. But then they did go into Sacramento and destroy the Kings. But that was without Jason Tatum, who twisted his ankle against Golden State. I don't know how that's going to be feeling um, for Christmas Day. What I will what I will say to give you guys a little exclusive preview is if Jason Tatum plays, you've got to keep an eye on the shoes he's wearing. He's got a surprise in store for you guys. So mm-hmm. shout out to the Jordan brand. But no, I think that the Lakers take this purely because I think it's going to be a close game and the Celtics execution down the stretch in close games is absolutely horrendous. We saw it earlier this season against the Timberwolves. We saw it against the Golden State Warriors. And if the Lakers can stay close, I simply don't trust the Celtics offense late in games. There's too much over-reliance on shooting the three-point ball. I think the Lakers have got good defenders on their roster that can make life difficult um, for players like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So I think as much as it, it hurts me to say this. I think the Lakers are going to take the win in this one. What do you guys think? Well, I want to say this real quick before throwing this to Scott. I think the the Celtics are going to win, not for the reasons you said, Mo, but because the Lakers are on a tough schedule going out east. 
They lost last night to, I believe, the Chicago, Chicago Bulls. Bulls. Yep. And then they have to come home, regroup, do the holiday thing, kids and all that. I think that's a, I think that's a tough swing for them. I think the Celtics are playing this smart with Jason Tatum. You know, he did come back in the Warriors game. And then you're kind of sitting him out because you don't want an ankle sprain, as Scott can attest. You don't want that thing to linger. You know, groins and ankle sprains, they can linger if you play through them. So you give him a little rest. But he does have, let's say, partners that he and the Celtics and television, they got to do what they got to do there. And it's be good to have him as healthy as they possibly can for yeah, that you game. you got to play Christmas you, Day. Yeah, you got to play. So I think the Celtics are in good position here. That was a nice win. I, I expected the Sacramento to beat them yesterday. But give them credit. They played terrific. Porzingis and Jalen Brown and all those guys. So, But I think the Lakers are in a tough stretch right now. And I expect the Celtics to come out and maybe – it's the, I don't think this will be a traditional – battle because of the toughness of the Celtics. Sometimes you'll catch somebody on the schedule. And I think for the Celtics right now, they're going to catch them on a good, good turn of the schedule or events for them in this game. You know, how I look at this one coming out of the end season tournament, I think the Lakers have lost what four or five, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Um, you wonder, and I know I've heard BJ say this, and because none of us knew what was going to happen after that tournament. Well, we really witnessed some high-level playoff intensity yes. for, for a week there, early in the season. Mm -hmm. So none of us knew how it, either of these teams would respond. You know, and I, I think uh, Indiana, they won one coming back, but then they lost a few and, and came mm -hmm. back to win last night. But neither team has been quite the same. Now, look, teams always, you know, can hit laws in, in a long 82-game season. So given that, I'm going to give a slight edge to the Celtics as well. Uh, I do think Jason Tatum will be ready and available. Um, that bounce-back win against Sacramento, because look, look, Sacramento is no slouch. They're, they're a legit playoff team. To go win there was a hard place to win. Yeah, I know they got uh, beat by Golden State. But, I, you know, their starting five is as good as any starting five in the NBA, in my opinion, uh, that being the Celtics. Um, I just think that they'll be a, a little better. That they would, I, I am a little concerned about the Celtics bench, the depth of their bench, you mm -hmm. know, going forward. That, that would be my biggest concern with that basketball team. Um I expect LeBron obviously to, to show up as you mentioned, Mo. This is going to be his. You know, you never know how many Christmas Day games he has left. So, uh, you know that these kind of touch point moments are always big for him. Just like the in season tournament was Christmas Day game again, national TV audience. You know, so he obviously would be tuned in to play that well. Anthony Davis, I, I give him credit. He, he's continued to try. You know, you know play like he played during that in-season tournament. But just something tells me that the, the way the two teams are playing overall right now, I'm going to get a slight edge to the Celtics that day. Does it not infuriate you to watch the Celtics and their complete insistence on doing nothing but just shooting three-pointer after three-pointer after three-pointer? 
because <laughs> it's killing me. See, yeah, you, you, yeah, right. You, you, uh, you sound like a true uh, Celtics. Did, did you see that possession that, down the stretch against the Warriors? They got like four offensive rebounds and four missed threes off the offensive threes, rebounds. Yeah, like, yeah, what are we right. doing here? Take yeah. a layup. Look, my thing about shooting threes, or is it, I want my team to set shoot the best available shot on that night. You know, some nights it may be. 40 to 53s. Other nights, it might only be 30. And and to your point, I've never been a fan of teams setting a, a set number of three-point shots that we need to shoot before uh, any particular game. Because you don't know what's going to present itself that night in the game. You know, what the defense is going to do. You got to be... I want to get good quality shots. So, um, you know, I didn't see the end of that game, Mo. But uh, were they contested threes? That's my big. If they're open threes, I'm fine with it. I hope them start shoot, when you start shooting the step when you start shooting the step asides and the step back threes, and you got a lot of time on the clock. Th- those aren't uh, good value shots, in my opinion. And well, I mean, I saw a young man, Scott Ferry, he was shooting him. I, I mean, I know the defense was... <laughs> I mean, wait, a, wait a minute. Hey, hold I'm on. contradicting I myself. A 20 vote vote. I, I saw this. I saw a young Scott Ferry was shooting him. We didn't receipt. even know. I don't even know what the... We didn't even know what he was doing. It was like, why is he stepping to the side? You know that? Exactly. Hey, 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 but I, I must have... I didn't know any better when I was at age. But he's yeah, talking about yeah. when I'm 17 years old. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know any you know, better. There, there, but there but was, the, 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 the Scott Perry today, I would like to think, you know, that I would take some of those shots now. Hey, 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 Mo, you know, the, the, the great Boston Celtic legend credited a Detroit player named Terry Durod with oh, teaching yeah. him the step back. Mm-hmm. But what they did know is that parking lot scared. Parker Lark Perry was shooting the side step before we knew what it was. So wow. one was stepping back, and then the other guy <laughs> okay. was stepping to the side. So, <laughs> so this new thing that you see in the NBA, we saw mm. that early, early. But, you know, just to go back to what Scott says about, you know, a certain amount of three-pointers going up, after that what loss against the Warriors, Coach Mazuda came out and said he was happy with the process. The shots just didn't fall. But in my head, the Warriors are a very small team. Steph Curry was on about five fouls for like the whole fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. He was working in the first half, going inside and getting easy looks in the paint. Why go away from that? Just because you want to hit a quota of three-pointers put up. I thought it was yeah. ridiculous. And then every time they posted up Steph Curry in, in the fourth, they were coming double, which is great. Come and double. Yeah, right. We'll play out of the double team. Someone cut, move the ball, yep. X, Y, Z. Instead... The Celtics just said, oh, they're double teaming. We're just going to stand on the perimeter and shoot threes now instead. And I just I just don't understand the logic and the instruction to the players in terms of the game plan over there because that was a very winnable game. They had a huge lead, and there's absolutely no way that they should have lost that. But maybe it's just the psychological thing since that final series over there in Golden State um, that the Warriors just seem to have their number ever since. But hopefully it's a better performance for the Celtics because I don't want them to ruin my Christmas. Luckily, that game is 10 p.m. here in the UK and it will finish at about 1 a.m. Um, so everyone else should be asleep so that they don't see my rage you know, if the Celtics lose. Yeah, yeah. You know, I you know, there used to be a team back in back in the day that would play 
kind of a different brand of basketball is Golden State Warriors coached by Don Nelson. And Don Nelson would do things to he would do things to really disrupt your offensive game. And he would put his worst defensive player on your best offensive player to disrupt your offense. Because if you weren't a principal team, but more importantly, as Scott can attest to, you have to be a discipline, discipline team to the principles in which you abide by. When you have a player that's in foul trouble and everyone was aware, it can be very disruptive because everyone now wants to take advantage of that. And Steph Curry knew that. They're not going to just blatantly foul out Steph Curry during the course of that game. Right. But then you also get the other team trying to play out of character. And that's what happened with the Boston Celtics that night. It's very important as you're making a championship run to be able to dictate the shot that you want, which Scott alluded to earlier here. Take the best available shot because the defense more times than not will have to make some adjustment and then the ball should find the open man. Right now, I'm a little concerned with the offensive principles of the Celtics because they've committed to just shooting shots, whether they're open or not. That's at least that's what it appears to be on the outside. I'm not there in practice. I don't know this for sure, but it's very hard, as our good friend Larry Brown would say, when you start coaching like a video game and you're just coaching to the math of the game and not actually watching the game, you always get in trouble there. And right now, I'm not sure, I'm not criticizing the coaches or what they're doing, but clearly if you have a team that you're playing against that doesn't have shot blockers or rim protection, you would think that that would be one of the things that you want to do because a form of penetration through the dribble will, should allow you to get that open three that Scott just said. And many of us mm -hmm. who play the game, you have to be disciplined when you're playing against a team, when you have an advantage, especially on the post or any player that gives you an advantage that's the part of being a championship caliber team, which the Celtics, that's their goal this year. I mean, no question about it. Yeah, you know, let me add a point to, you know, when you, you talk about, you know, shooting for, you know, numbers, you know, playing to get a set number of threes and, and everything. Uh, one thing that numbers can't take into account is the psychology of the game, what is going on during the game. And BJ can definitely attest to this. If I'm on defense and I'm guarding an offensive team that is really good at moving the basketball, cutting without the basketball, and scoring wherever they may score from, whether it's two-point range, at the rim, or threes, that's deflating to my defense. But if a team is just indiscriminately jacking up a whole bunch of threes because the math says, okay, if I can make more you – know, a set number of three-point shots, I'm going to win a certain amount of games. Well, if that's all that they're doing, I'm as a defense, I say, okay, we'll, we'll we'll see about that. You know, I, I, I'll i take my chances with that, forcing you into contested threes versus getting into the gut of my defense, breaking me down, forcing me to rotate more. Those things are deflating, especially when you're trying to come back in the game. You know, so that that's kind of how I see this thing, and 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 you know, it'll be interesting to see how this dynamic plays out in that uh, that Lakers Celtic game.
Absolutely. Now, the next game after that is the 76ers who are traveling to Miami to take on the Heat. Now, I know that um, the uh, Miami lifestyle can get the better of teams. I don't know the <laughs> opening hours for the clubs across Christmas, but who you guys got winning that one? You know, I'm gonna let um, I'm gonna let Coach. Yeah, 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 no, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the family's at home in Philly. It's Christmas. It's time to celebrate. Well, it, 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 I I don't know when Philly plays after that or before because you know maybe you'll get families that travel down to Miami because again, nice place for for the family to spend time on Christmas is to yes. wake up when it's 75, 80 degrees. So. You may get a few more families coming down there uh, from the six. I don't know that, but that's just my guess. I, I think that they play on Friday um, and then Christmas so Day, Monday. It, yeah, it's Monday. Yeah, so they got so the whole weekend. I, I could see. Yeah, I could see families, you know, meeting up down there. You know, Saturday, Sunday, spending the weekend and spending Christmas there. But with that said, on to the game. Man, are you guys watching Joel Embiid? <laughs> oh, don't get most started. Don't get most exactly, started. Exactly. <laughs> Man, he is a problem right now. Um, uh, and I don't know who, who can really stop him now. I know, they I know. They have a tremendous, they have a tremendous coach down in Miami. I, you know, I I love the Miami Heat, what they stand for, how they, you know, you're gonna get a very you know, BJ just talked earlier, you're gonna get a very disciplined effort. You know, and, and, and they're going to make you work for everything you get. But I like how uh, the Sixers are playing right now. Joel Embiid is the best player on the floor, for sure, for me. You know, Bam is going to battle him, but he's given up four or five inches at least and probably 30, 40 pounds. Uh, and this guy is super skilled. So, uh Sign me up with the Sixers uh, for a win that day. Uh, I know who top. can stop Joel Embiid's cup. Okay, who is that? The calendar. The calendar? <laughs> the calendar. No, no, no. Because okay, Joel Embiid puts up these huge numbers, right? Mm -hmm. But then we get to the playoffs and he disappoints season after season after season. You couldn't name to me one signature Joel Embiid game in the NBA playoffs. You can even tell me the best team he's ever eliminated in the NBA playoffs. He finishes in the second round almost every year. And the question is why? And the answer is his over-reliance on free throws because he's putting up these crazy numbers, okay? You're right. He's putting up these crazy numbers. Half of those points are coming from the free throw line. Half of these games, the, the opponent's starting big, they're in foul trouble in the first quarter, and then he's playing against the bench. And also, the crazy numbers he put up, I think two of the games were against Washington, Detroit, San Antonio, Charlotte Hornets. So... Great, the numbers look impressive, and it's fantastic to look at the box score and be like, "Oh wow, this guy's putting up historic numbers." But I did a little bit of research. I looked at every MVP season since the year two thousand, and I looked at the amount of total points scored by players and how many of those points came from the free throw line. Do you know how many of those players in the last twenty three years that have won MVP? How many of those players had thirty percent or more of their points come from the free throw line? You tell us, Bo. Just one. Just Joel Embiid. Just Joel Embiid. Even James Harden, when people used to get yeah, onto I was, him. I was, he yeah. was the person I had in mind. Yeah, yeah, he was in the line a lot. People used to get onto him for Fabian, but even he is not at the 30% mark. It's staggering yeah. to me 
how people are seeing this is how I know that the fans aren't really watching the games every time because they just see the, the stat line. Oh, wow. 40 points. Oh, wow. 50 points. But, but if 20 of those come from the free throw line now, I get it. Right. I get it. You're yeah. using the rules of the game to your advantage and I respect it. I respect no. it. But as a fan of the game of basketball, I hate watching it. I hate watching no. players that yeah. are just digging for fouls more then they are. Did you see the game against the Bulls where he had the chance to hit the game winning shot and instead he tries to draw a foul driving to the basket against Kobe White, who's about a foot smaller than him? Instead of finishing strong, he tries to kind of fade away and flop a little bit to try and get foul call. That for me is my issue with John Embiid. And that's why when it comes to the playoffs and the referees aren't given those silly little fouls anymore, he never wins. Mo, I, I respect that perspective. But we're talking about the Christmas Day game. We're talking about regular season basketball right now. Oh, absolutely. And that's why I said it's just right. the calendar that's going to stop it. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. But I would not, not you know, I love a guy that can get to the free throw line. I really do. I mean, I, I think there is a skill involved. Now, he is so big, he's hard, you know, people are having to file him to, to, to try to stop him or impede his progress. No, you know, get into the rim. I, I agree with that, but it's not yeah. that he's going hard to the basket and getting it and one. He's getting the defender out of position and then flopping to the floor and but, flinging the ball in the air. That's there's a difference that, between that, a player that, like that, Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal, when he was the MVP of the league in 2000, yeah, he, yeah, only 18% yeah. of his points came from free throws. Well, I, 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 but I would say this though, in that era, he let a lot more contact go in that era when Shaq was playing. Because if you if they blew the whistle today, I mean I mean back then like they do today, Shaq might have been shooting 40 to 50% of his points. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. Not a good, he's not a good as, as free throw shooter as it be too, which speaks to him. But Shaq was getting fouled on so many plays that you know the game would have taken three and a half hours if you you really yeah. But this, this is my thing when exactly. when people say when people say Embiid is so big and so dominant they have to foul him. I'm looking mm. at it and I'm like, okay, if we go back and watch all the fouls that are called on Joel Embiid in the game, how many of them are guys absolutely hitting him like they used to hit Shaq because he was unstoppable? And how many of them are he sees a defender's hand sticking out so he hits himself into the defender's hand and falls to the floor? That's my problem with it. Mm -hmm. Well, let's say this. Joel Embiid, clearly, you can call a foul just about, I, I've said this to you before, you can call a foul just about any time. He's taking advantage of the rules, right? One thing we know, who've worked in this league, played in this league, watched this league, the players will adjust to the rules. And the referees will adjust to the players, okay? Right now, Joel Embiid is a problem. No doubt about it. Whether we like his style of play or what have you, we can debate that. But this young man has found a way, found a way to take advantage of the rule of the game. I remember there was, I remember when James Harden, everyone didn't like James Harden's style of play when he was getting fouled. I mean, it's just the style of play. However, the rules and the players will always adjust. That's the beautiful thing about it. And until someone can counter that, then let's, what can we say? I mean, but what we do know, if Joel Embiid, I don't care what era he played in, Joel Embiid would have been a heck of a player in our era too. 
That he would have been wrapped up in bubble wrap and he would have played about five games a season. Come on, man. Don't give me that. No, 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 Don't Joe, give me that. And I would tell you but, something but you got, about JoJo. Yeah, you got to give him the credit that he would have adjusted in that Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. JoJo got a little nastiness with, with him. No, mm-hmm. no, no. Yeah. I don't, we could say the floppy, you know, we know a difference between a flopper and a guy who's just taking advantage of the rules. The rules, yeah. Joe he's a flopper. Oh, Jojo's got a little nastiness with him. I'm gonna tell you that right now. I have no, I I don't have a problem with the big fella. And if I'm playing with him, or I'm coaching him, or an executive, the more times I get my defense my defense set because he is going to the free throw line, we know significantly it gives you a better opportunity to be a good defensive team. So I'm all for him and what he's doing. However. Yeah, you might question he's getting fouled. How could he get knocked down with a guy like our size? Okay, all right. Okay, I'll mm-hmm. give you that. However, the big fella's got a little nastiness with him. And let me tell you this, Mo. I've seen him go back at guys. He didn't like the way you fouled him. <laughs> okay. Okay, Mo. And the comfort of this podcast is one thing. Down there with a 300-pound man with that size, well, you go think about it, Bo, and, and it, he'll let you know now if he don't like the way you found him. Mo, I mean, I'm gonna agree, Mo, I agree with you on this. This is a big playoff season for Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. Now, now, now that, now that, I agree with you on that that's because 100%. now can he at least get to the conference finals? Again, we are almost a third of the way through the season. They can challenge. They, they, in my opinion, they should challenge to be there this year. Well, they and should be challenging the for the this NBA year. title this season. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I'm saying, but you know, first, I think to the conference. The fi- would you conference say conference finals. finals for sure? Yes, exactly. That's what I'm that. saying. They, they can challenge. Their next step is getting to the conference finals. Yes. And once we once we get into the conference finals, okay, now let's you know go ahead and take the next step. But they got to get over that mental hurdle. He does of that is second round and out. Yes. Yep. And, and and they uh, still have pieces to make a move, you know, because a lot yes. of times you look at their shot distribution, it's Embiid and Maxi doing the heavy lifting. They still yes. have the assets and the picks to go out there and acquire maybe a, yes. a third complementary piece if Tobias Harris yes. isn't stepping up to do that. Um, yes. But but yeah, I, I think he's just got to learn that if he doesn't get those foul calls in the playoffs, you've got to figure it out then. Because... Yes. We see the same thing over and over again. I'm not saying it will never change. I'm just saying I want to see it change because I, younger in his career, he was one of my favorite players to watch. When he was first coming to the league, he's showing off the post moves. He's going strong to the hoop. He was one of my favorite players to watch. And now mm-hmm. when I watch him, I just shake my head and I just think, come on, man. I, I would say this is what I see a little difference in him this year. And I know we're spending a, a lot of time here with him, but his body language with his teammates, he's mm-hmm. on the games I've watched, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, it's almost like he's trying to become a little more of a vocal leader, more of an yes. example leader as well. And that's, I think if that continues throughout the regular season, I think that will transfer into the playoffs and and, and be one of those intangible things that people don't talk about a lot, but could be helpful to not only his personal cause, yeah. but the Sixers cause at large. You know, he had a he had an interesting comment this week in the media where he said, and I'm paraphrasing here that you can't win playing isolation basketball. And I thought that was a fascinating take from him 
Because Joel, as we know, he's 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 one of the better players who control and do all the things with, with his comments, and he's he's very clever with that. But I thought it was a fascinating take by him based on everything that has happened. And he has, Scott. I, I think he's really done a, a terrific job of leading this franchise minus a really good player. Okay, James Harden is a – whatever you think of James Harden, James Harden is a really good player. You can see what, they're, what they've been doing recently there in, in with the Clippers. But I thought it was a fascinating take because it took some thought for him to say whatever he meant. You can take how whatever he meant. You know, some people said it was a dig. Players, you know, over the years, they figured out no one can win a championship alone. You know, Scott, he, he can't win it alone. He needs the referees. Yeah, yes. And, and you know, um, Mo needs <laughs> Mo needs the referees, as you can see. <laughs> Man, I hate the referees. Get them out of here. But I thought it was an interesting thing that he said this week. So, uh, but yeah, I I I I I I like JoJo. I you know he's having another ph- phenomenal season. But I agree with you guys. I think it's time for them to, at the very least, get to the conference finals this year. Absolutely. Well, the final matchup of Christmas Day is the Phoenix Suns hosting the Dallas Mavericks, which is always a good matchup given their history. You know, in the playoffs, they had that that series where the Dallas Mavericks made that huge comeback and went on to win and uh, all-time meltdown in Game 7. But Chris Paul's no longer with the Suns. Devin Booker still is. Um, I don't know which version of the Suns we're going to get, seeing as their health is so questionable. We don't know which three of their stars are actually going to be healthy and in the lineup for it. But how are you looking at this one? Because the Mavericks had a very strong start to the season. They're still up there in the mix in the Western Conference. How are you looking at this matchup? Phoenix is not playing well right now, if you ask me. They're, they're not consistent. They're not physical enough. And that's and look, they've got two terrific talents in Kevin Durant and, and uh, Devin Booker. But you need more. You, you know, the, 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 uh, the role players need to play with more consistency, uh, play with more force. Um, I think the more, the more physical team will win that game. Uh, on Christmas Day, uh, I'm going to get a slight edge, even on the road um, to the Mavericks. Um, I really like how uh, I mean, obviously Lucas is is playing uh, well enough to definitely be in the MVP conversation. There's no question about that. Um, but I like that they're getting contributions from you know various other guys on that team. Uh, you know, Tim Hardaway coming off the bench, it can be very explosive. The young kid from uh, Duke, Derek Lively, has been a huge addition to that team. You know, he gives them a, a, a lob threat at the rim. He's he's uh, good at protecting the rim on the def- defensive side of the ball. He can play in an up-and-down pace when they need to get up and down. Um, so I, I, I kind of like some of the things that that Dallas has been doing. I think they are playing a little bit better at this time. Um, the Suns don't have to figure this out pretty quickly. I, I Three and seven that, in the last 10. Yeah, and I don't expect that um, um, Bradley, Bradley Beal will be back uh, anytime soon either. And that's, you know, we haven't seen that group together. And I'm sure that's what everybody is saying around there in Phoenix. Well, you know, wait till we get all 
three together, and then we need to have them together for 20, 25 games to allow them to learn. They, one they, they have them together but, for about 20, 25 minutes before. Exactly. Right, and so, I mean, will that even happen this season? I mean, that's a legitimate question if you ask me. Can the, can you get 25 straight games it, out of those three to really see what you have? I mean, again, that's not going to increase their physicality, but it will give you three guys that can score from all levels of the floor, you know, attacking the rim, mid-range, three-point shooting, and, you know, that will be difficult to defend. Um, you know, without Bradley in there now, like I said, you can decide, okay, who are we going to key in on a little more? Is it going to be Devin or is it going to be Kevin? And then see what other, you know, we'll get somebody else to step up and try to beat us. And right now, uh, you know, Eric Gordon had some games early in the year, but I haven't uh, seen him uh, step up as much here in, in recent times. It's, it's still interesting to me that they went and got Bradley Beal because with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, you've got enough star, star power there. I would have just looked at building out the rest of the roster with better depth than what they currently have. But I guess when you go back and watch the playoffs from last season, there's a lot of times if Booker was being being doubled and KD's getting a lot of attention from the defense, they're hitting the corners, hitting the Josh Okogis of the world who would then miss these wide open threes. So they wanted a third scoring option. However, that doesn't account for what Josh Okogi offered them on the defensive end. And Bradley Beal at this stage of his career is not a great defender. Um, so they're still going to end up having to play those guys in, in some of those minutes. And it's, it's really interesting to me, um, especially since their new ownership came in, kind of this hunt for stars rather than building out a more balanced roster. But BJ, how are you looking at this Christmas Day matchup? Well, you know, and looking at these teams, you know, the Phoenix Suns, I, I, I'm, you know, I, 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 I go back and forth with them. I clearly love their talent. You know, Kevin Durant, since he came into the league, you know, he's, you know, he's had a Hall of Fame career. Devin Booker suddenly has stepped up into an elite category as a scorer, a player that is a very efficient scorer. You know, he plays within three dribbles or less, terrific mid-range player. But, you know, guys, you know, roster construction is a real thing. And Scott has spent hit the last 20 years trying to figure out yeah, you sometimes you look at the numbers and you start looking at stars and you look at all of the accolades and the things. But the the real talent of this as an executive is putting the pieces together where it fits. As a player ages, when I look at this roster in Kevin Durant, one of the things I don't like as you age is you start playing against players who weigh significantly more than you. You know, Kevin Durant is without question, he's a seven footer. However, Playing against guys who are 20, 30, 40 pounds bigger than you every single night, I think takes a toll on you, especially as you age in this league. And Kevin Durant as a four, man, can he do it? Absolutely. Will he do it? Without question. However, every single night, him taking that beating and that hit and absorbing that level of physicality, I think is going to be a problem as we get into the season. It just wears you down. The experiment of putting Devin Booker, who we know is an elite player, as a scoring guard in this league, I think is going to wear him down. So I think those players, in my mind, I've watched them now. And Mo, you know, I like to wait for around 25 games to say, that's my two and three. And then I got to build around that. Now, mm -hmm. with both of those players, what's incredible is that they're both 
versatile enough to play other positions and be elite at other positions, which is a bonus. Kevin Durant is a bonus. He can play the four and he can play small ball five because of his size. However, to protect him and where he's at physically, I want to kind of get him through this season without having to take the pounding and do the things of an interior player on a consistent basis, right? I would rather have him playing against Michael Porter Jr. for 25, 30 minutes other than Aaron Gordon, because you're going to see that level of player as you advance in the playoffs. So get him through this so that he has an advantage so that when it's time to do that, I'm not sure what this experiment is going to do. What I do know, guys, is that you need a downhill player. And right now, I don't see a lead guard for them that can initiate the offense consistently, get them organized on both sides of the ball, and play downhill. I just don't see that with this team. I see two elite scores, but I don't see a team right now where all of a sudden they're clicking and you're saying, that team could be really good if. Yeah. I see the individual talent. But I don't see the 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 togetherness as a group where everyone kind of knows their space where to operate. Kevin Durant is just that good. I mean, you can just put him anywhere and he'll figure it out. However, with Kevin Durant comes the expectations of saying he should be a player that potentially can take you to the, at least the conference finals and beyond. And I don't see that as is right now with this group. Now, I know we're going to say Bradley Beal. However, Bradley Beal is a scorer. I don't see him being a lead guard as well. So I think right now the construction of the roster probably, even though they haven't played, because those guys, in my opinion, are both playing out of position. And yeah, I they think they're trying to make Devin Booker the point guard now. Yeah, like, yeah and I just don't know. Bit, to be fair, but it's not his yeah. natural instinct of, of how he right. plays right you know he's great catching the ball in the mid-range coming off curls or maybe even posting up smaller guards it's going to be interesting um only time will tell but christmas is around the corner that means man the next few months are gonna fly by we're gonna be right into the playoffs before you know it so uh <laughs> we just gotta enjoy the ride while we're here appreciate you both wishing you both and your families a very happy holidays and to all of our amazing listeners appreciate you guys rocking with us all year long we'll be back in a couple of days don't worry we ain't, we ain't going anywhere um but appreciate you guys and if you want to give us a christmas gift make sure you leave a five-star review on the spotify app or the apple podcast app or even in the youtube comments feel free to share the podcast with your friends we appreciate you make sure you're subscribed and stay locked in enjoy your christmases enjoy your holidays however you celebrate especially if you're in miami hope you enjoy celebrating <laughs> <laughs> yes, and um, Merry christmas to everybody hopefully my christmas wish of mb stopping flopping comes true this year but if not we'll go again next year and uh, until next time, my good people, get buckets. <laughs>